What's up, everyone? My name is Ethan, and I'm here with my boy AJ. We've known each other for the past what now, like seven years? Seven years. Yeah. We met in college, and we're both avid Laker fans. And we thought it was time, given that the Lakers are back from mediocrity, let's go to give you guys a podcast. And we're just gonna talk global NBA hoops because we're both Laker fans and. I'll introduce myself real quick and let AJ introduce himself and tell you guys why we're we're global. But for me, I was born and raised in LA, so of course I'm a Laker fan. Was never a Clippers fan. <laughs> LA is run by the Lakers, that's a fact. And I would say my earliest memory of being a Laker fan was probably in the late 90s. I don't think it's really a specific memory, but I do remember being a little kid, seeing Kobe shoot free throws, and it flashed across the screen that he was like an 82 point something percent free throw shooter. And I was like, to my dad, I was like, well, what does that mean? How, how, can, how can he have a fraction of a free throw? Like, how can he not have a full free throw? My dad's like, no, it's a percentage. Like, it, it's just it's just of how many how many he makes out of a hundred, and I just could not yeah. understand that. But that was my earliest memory was seeing Kobe shoot free throws, and uh, you know rip ripped the greatest. But that's right, AJ. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no thanks, E. I actually, I you know Ethan mentioned we've known each other for seven years. I actually, I actually didn't know that about Ethan, even though one of the first things we ever bonded over was our uh, fellow Laker fanhood. So I'm. Uh, my name's AJ. Uh, I'm neither born nor raised in, in LA. Uh, I'll fully admit that I'm a bandwagon fan, but I, I hope I can at least, uh, I hope my uh, bandwagonage for 19 years makes up for that. Um, I was actually born and raised in Jakarta, Indonesia. Um, and, you know, my first kind of memory of really basketball at all, um, other than buying a knockoff Phoenix Suns hoop to put on my garage um, was was actually being an Allen Iverson fan when he stepped over Tyron Lue in the 2001 NBA Finals. Um, and then I, you know, went on to watch Kobe and Shaq dominate uh, that Philly team uh, and go either, uh, what is it, 15 and 1 or 16 and 1 yeah, in those playoffs. Um, but yeah, you know, Ethan and I started this podcast, you know, we, we've had you know, hours and hours of conversations over the years regarding the NBA and the Lakers. And there's been, there's been many memes sent back and forth. And I think we figured it was time for us to start, you know, doing something with this and, and seeing if people found it interesting. So here we are, um, you know, we'll, we'll be covering the, the 2020 NBA finals. And assuming we don't hate each other by the end of this, <laughs> hopefully we'll be, we'll be covering the 2020, 2021 or whatever their schedule is going to be um season as well so let's get started let's jump into a quick look back of the playoffs so far so we started with the blazers yeah so they came out and went they had one loss in the seeding games that's right chuck was talking about this is this is the blazers are going to win he guarantees it yeah, and we lost game one. And what what were you what were you thinking when we lost game one? I was scared, man. I was scared because we looked real sloppy and flat footed, and out of it, frankly, in those in those bubble games. And yeah. 
you know, everybody's talked about it. Everybody said that, look, the Blazers came out and played every game as if it were a playoff game because they needed every win. And they needed, you know, I think it was Memphis to lose a couple of games, right? And I think they lost that last game to the Nets that got Portland in. And I was scared, man. I mean, look, everybody talked about it ad nauseum. Portland was not a regular eighth seed. Nurk was back. You know, Dame and CJ were doing their thing. They're missing John Collins, who, you know, despite looking like any other guy on the street, um, is actually a really legit Zach NBA Collins. player. Zach Collins. John Collins is the guy in the Lakers uh, on, on Atlanta. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, uh, for a little bit of background, Ethan and I both went to Emory, which is why we uh, we uh, love and love to hate the Hawks. Uh, <laughs> but no, I, you know, when we lost game one, I was scared. But, you know, I'm an overreactor. And so I was like, oh, shit, are we really going to lose? You know, to, to, in the first round, that'd be that'd be horrible. But how are you feeling, E, about that? Or, or well, it was, it was it was it was interesting because I came in. You're right. We we didn't play well in the seeding games, and my main concern was, what are we going to do with Dame? Right, like yeah, when yeah. we're playing elite guard, you know, who's going to guard him? What's our scheme going to be? And you know, they lit us up in game one, right? And yeah. I was like, the biggest adjustment isn't going to be anyone playing better in my opinion on our team. It was, it was going to be Frank actually. And mm-hmm. I think he went in the lab, he made a good scheme and then he did the same thing with, with Harden, right? It was like, all right, here's a level up from Dame. One of the best isolation scores, one-on-one scores in, in the game ever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how are we going to defend him? And it was basically a similar story. And I think you saw that in all three series, right? Every series had an elite guard, yep. whether it was Dame, Harden or Jamal Murray and we really had to play as a team I think and Frank really had to dial us all in on the same page and and put a really good defensive scheme together and make sure we were all on a string and and it clearly worked I mean Frank came into the season kind of saying that we would be we would be a defense first team and the Lakers have I mean at least in the time that we've been Laker fans haven't really ever been a defense first team like those Kobe and Powell years like, look, defense was definitely a kind of a core part of the team's um, winning strategy. But, you know, it wasn't like we were playing even top 10, top five defense in those years. I mean, the years we played the Celtics in the in the late the late 2000s, I mean, they were a top top three defense. And, and I think we we in our 2010 year were were, you know, I think I think I think. 11th or 12th. But, you know, I think we came into the bubble and came to the playoffs, I think a top four defense I think third or fourth Mm -hmm. and we came in as a top five or six offense and so you know uh, to see a Laker team that that that's that defensive minded um was really encouraging you know I guess moving on from the Blazers series because we came in lost a game figured some stuff out and then you know moved on to the Rockets who played you know a, a really interesting series against OKC and interesting to see kind of CP as much as we hate him uh, you know, do something really interesting with the Thunder. How did you feel kind of going into the Rocket Series, knowing we were facing Beard and your favorite player, Russ? <laughs> Definitely sarcasm. But <laughs> yeah, it was, I mean, it was similar, right? It, I guess similar in, with the guard play, but different in that, you know, we we know with they went all in on small ball, right? That's what everyone talked about all season. Yep. They traded away yep. Clint. They were going to be yep. small and just stretch the floor, have five shooters on the floor. And so that presented a different challenge for us. And I think it was a similar story um, in many ways with, uh, you know, with, with the Rockets as it was with Portland, because, 
you know, we had to go back into the lab and Frank had to, to create mm. a defense. You know, he doubled Harden a lot. He just, he said, you know, yeah. I want Russ to beat us. I want someone else to beat us. You know, these guys aren't going to keep hitting shots like they were, but, you know, I think we, I think that was probably the best defensive series we played. I mean, it all, it seemed like our rotations were just always on point. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the backside help was always there. Yeah. You, you know, Caruso, Kuzma were flying around and I, I thought yeah. it was really well done. No, I'm, I'm totally with you. And I think, you know, one of the adjustments that Frank made that, you know, really went away from what, you know, got us a lot of our wins and a lot of our dominance during the season was just moving away from our verticality and our bigs, right? I mean, Dwight yeah. and JaVale played in that game one. And I think, I mean, I think they played a combined, I think, you know, I think we're talking about this after game one where we lost, you know, JaVale, I think played 20 minutes. And I think between him and Dwight, they played 30, 35 minutes. And, you know, we kind of said to ourselves, like, we can't be playing those. They're getting run out of the gym, right? You know, Dwight, I think three-time defensive player of the year isn't what it used to be. And so he couldn't keep up with, you know, the PJs and the the Eric Gordons and, and, you know, dare I say it, the Austin Rivers. And so pulling, I guess, making that move, making that ballsy move to pull the big men off the floor, play smaller. I mean, people have said it, you know, it's short of versatility, right? I mean, we beat Houston to an extent at their own game. You know, we, we, we sized down. Uh, and then, you know, we, we were able to, to kind of, kind of punch them at, at their height. And it was really interesting. It was really interesting to kind of see us play that way. You know, after game two, uh, I felt pretty confident, uh, that, that we were going to kind of run away with that series. Did I think we were going to win it in five? I don't think so. I don't think many people say that this win in five, but you know, I'm really happy we did, um, and, and I guess we moved on from two spectacular guards who we knew were spectacular to, to a third who, you know, we didn't know or we didn't recognize as a superstar really until these playoffs. So let me know, Eve, what you, th- what, you know, what your thoughts are now on the Nuggets and, and the maestro that is Jamal Murray. Yeah, I, I want to go back to something you said about the Rocket series, which I think is really important, right? Like we, yeah. we played the Rockets' game, right? We sized down yeah. and a lot of people said, hey, you know, we're not going to do that. The Clippers came out and said, you know, we're going to play big. We, we like to play big against the Rockets. We're not going to stoop to their level, mm. so to speak. But I think what you saw in that series and what you'll see, what we and then moving into the Nuggets series and now against the Heat is the Lakers have options, right? And to take mm. a guy like JaVale who started all season and say, you know what, we just can't play you in this series. You'll be valuable against, you know, other other matchups later but right now we can't and have to have that trust in the team and the players and having frank able to make that move i think was huge and so going into the nugget series it was a similar story for javel but for a different reason i mean there's obviously a traditional big man or not so traditional i guess (laughs) and what he does but yeah in in Jokic, right but but javel still couldn't be on the floor and he had to mm-hmm. put dwight into the starting lineup and mm-hmm. you know we played a bigger series obviously than we did against the rockets and again it just goes back to the versatility and you know lebron's lebron and and he he i think he just was the the key to this series i mean as much as ad was LeBron yeah. just kind of controlled the tempo and you know dictated everything i think from the start yeah, no, I'm, I'm I'm totally with you. I mean, l- I guess looking back on that series, now, now that it's been a couple of days, um, really surprised we won in five. I mean, that is a scrappy, scrappy Nuggets team that, I mean, Jamal Murray said it, and I think a lot of Laker fans clowned him after game three. He said, we should be up to one, right? And part the of that was him been. being, 
They could have been. I mean, he granted he was a bit. I think he was a bit salty about the calls in sure. game three. Which, which looking back on it, look, the refs make mistakes all the time. Do I think that they were necessarily biased in that game? I really don't think they were. To be totally honest with you, um, but but they they really could have been up to one man if it wasn't for kind of AD's big shot. Um, you know, some great plays by LeBron down the stretch in game three, getting to the basket. Um, and then, you know, uh, just, just LeBron taking us home in game five. So uh, we're, we're, we're fifth. What are we at? We're 12 and three coming into the finals. Um, you know, and, and it's funny. I think LeBron has only been worse than 12 and three. I think that's on the ESPN has only been worse than 12 and three, three times in his career. Going, going into, into the, finals. the finals yeah which is just truly unbelievable God damn. for for this guy yeah it, it, absolutely unbelievable e I'll, I'll throw you a, i'll throw you a quick curveball on the agenda that i just thought of it's most surprising moments or most surprising outcomes other than clippers nuggets i think one that just jumps to my head without yeah without really thinking about it i mean i think it's got to be philly right i was gonna say yeah they got sad, i mean man. you know I mean, Ben got injured and yeah, you know, so who, who knows, I guess, but to me, it's like, I mean, I guess it's easy to say looking back, but I mean, yeah. they're just, they're, they're just missing P I mean, they're not complete. They're not a complete no. team. They don't, they got, they have a lot of questions to answer. I mean, we don't need to get into Philly basketball, but this is like, yeah. they're going to go through the next couple year or two is going to be a really important time for them, who they choose as coach, what they do with, Embiid and Simmons who they get around them I mean they have some work to do and I don't think anyone expected them to get swept in the first round of the playoffs they had much higher expectations Mm -hmm. and yeah that that was a brutal way to end the season for them I mean I guess you hate to see it unless you're a Philly hater right I mean you I I I hate to see some a player that I love like Joel Embiid kind of go out like that right because he's a competitor uh he loves the game i mean people memed him after he you know the picture of him crying in the in the in the hallway after losing to uh the raps last year came out right but the guy cares about basketball man like there are a lot of superstars who you look at them and say you know i don't know if you know and i, I love to say but i don't know if paul george gives a shit about basketball as much as joel Embiid does and so yeah really surprising outcome and i think the other one is just what the hell happened to the bucks man yeah, like coming in, everybody's talking about it. I think third best point differential in NBA history coming into the playoffs. Giannis, consecutive MVP, defensive player of the year, really solid supporting cast. And then I guess they got exposed, right? I mean, Giannis yeah. got exposed, that team got exposed. And, and you know, I'm, I'm curious kind of to see how that, how that shakes out uh, over the yeah. summer. Let's talk about interesting summers. They're going to, yeah. yeah. Some, I mean, uh, there's three interesting summers, right, is what the Sixers do if they move anybody, what the Clippers do, mm-hmm. and then what the Bucks, uh, yep. if, you know, when, when Giannis makes his decision. So, 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 so moving on, uh, kind of, we're in the NBA Finals, 10 years later. 10 years uh, later, man, we're back. We're back, which is which is really really great to 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 talk about, you know, after the Wayne Ellington, uh, oh, Mike Muscala years. 
Uh, Every time but, I see pictures of those eras, I just I cry a little bit. You shudder, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But 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 talk to me about you know how you're feeling about the finals and and kind of you know historically what this might mean and what storylines you find interesting. Yeah, I think you know looking at once we had clinched and in, in Boston, Miami were still playing. I kept going back and forth. Who do I want? from a matchup perspective, but then also yeah. what's the storyline going to be? Because both of them are so good, right? I mean, you have Lakers, Celtics, yeah. the two most winning is franchises, um, you know, in the NBA, 16 and 17 mm-hmm. rings, we could potentially tie them in rings, all of that. Right. But I think, I, I think especially the current generation of NBA fans, like the younger generation, they don't really care about that as much. Mm-hmm. And they remember LeBron on the heat, right? And they remember Pat Riley and, you know, how mad he was after LeBron left, you know, going back to Cleveland now to L.A. And, you know, Pat Riley having history in L.A. as well. I think Mm -hmm. this is an incredible storyline. And I think LeBron is going to be more motivated than ever to win this championship. Um, You know, I I don't know. I'm not in his head. Maybe not ever. I mean, that one he won for Cleveland, et cetera, like obviously yeah. was amazing and probably will be his best one ever but you know and, and I know on the other side right Spo, Spo has history with LeBron of course Riley with their history they're going to be mm-hmm. super motivated and I think I'm sure they would love nothing more to beat LeBron in the finals and I think you know th- this is going to be an absolute war on both sides no, I'm with you. And going back to your point, kind of around around matchups, right? Um, uh, I, I definitely would rather be playing the Celtics right now. You know, mostly because I think we could beat them uh, more handily than 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 the Heat, but also because I think just just to hear James Worthy go get that Celtic ass <laughs> <laughs> one more time uh, would be would be really Legend. satisfying. But but no man, I I, I think the, the storyline between, you know, the the Heat, Spo, Pat, uh, that whole organization, you know, obviously there's history with Shaq as well. Um and and, and and versus versus, you know, us and our history is, is really interesting. Um and you know there's this whole storyline of like team ball versus superstar ball, and I think our superstar ball, um, you know, quote unquote, is a bit overrated. Um, I think we play team basketball that runs through LeBron James and Anthony Davis, whereas uh, the Miami Heat play, I guess, what we would call Spurs to an extent basketball, right? Where it's, it's true, mm-hmm. kind of everybody touches the ball in every possession. Um, I guess there's that storyline as well, right? Um, and I think one thing you, you, you kind of noted was, you know, I guess current generation of Braun AD kind of versus Tatum, right? Kind of AD versus Tatum being, you know, potentially yeah. the – the Kobe versus Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett. And I, I guess I'm curious, like what made you think about that? You know, do you see that as a rivalry for years to come? Like, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't think it'll ever it'd probably be the rivalry that, you know, Kobe and, and Paul Pierce mm-hmm. was, but when I think about, you know, the history of the Lakers and the Celtics, there's always been, you know, a bona fide star on each side or more than one right and so you know before them it was obviously magic and bird etc and so Mm -hmm. i think it's kind of that natural evolution is we like to think about who are the stars going to be on each on each side and what's that rivalry going to look like and you know lebron is hope you know 
let's say not <laughs> nearing the end of his career at some point, right? He's not, he's not as young as AD just at no. that, right? And Tatum and AD are pretty similar in age. And you just think like, hopefully AD is on the Lakers for the long run. And yeah. that could kind of become some sort of, you know, rivalry just between each other. But then also given the fact that, you know, it's Lakers versus Celtics rivalry. And it just kind of brought me back to that, you know, Kobe versus Paul Pierce, Kobe versus KG. And, mm. um, you know, cause that's what that, that's a lot of, well, that was the last time we, you know, we were in the finals and that was kind of the last like truly great rivalry that, that I, you know, really hold dear as a Laker fan mm-hmm. was just seeing mm-hmm. Kobe like trying to will our team against those amazing Celtics teams. No, I'm with you. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, we played two finals against them, went one and one. But I remember those finals being, I mean, you know, we were we were right there um, in the 2010 finals, right? And we were watching that kind of front and center. Um, game seven was in L.A., wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Where were you? Were you in L.A.? Where was I? Yeah, I was, I was in L.A. And I unfortunately was not at the game. <laughs> but Of course. I was you didn't in pay LA. like $3,000 for nosebleeds. Yeah, man, just to get in the stadium. Yeah, it's like... I know, it's like, yeah. Staples is crazy, man. But, yeah. yeah, after the game, I just remember like all my friends were like texting, calling, and like watching the, you know, celebrations happen in downtown. I was... Yeah, like it was just you know it, it's an amazing feeling to see like your city on top of the sports mm-hmm. world, and yeah, I it, it would go went to the parade you know and it was it was awesome man like there's yeah. it's it's so exciting for the city just it, not even for for just basketball fans like everyone yeah. is into it yeah. you know and yeah. it's really fun and that's why I was so pissed when the freaking when the falcons lost the super bowl man we were right there. oh we, we were, were ready that's we, another so, story for another time man but like we god that was brutal that was what 2016 wasn't it that was no that was, was that 17 the yeah i think it was the 16 17 season right yeah I mean, so february yeah, 17 it feb it was feb 17 just a, I'll, I'll tell oh the story just for god. the listeners ethan and i are living together um and the Falcons are up 28 to three at halftime. Um, Ethan and I are living in Atlanta uh, and we're ready. We're, you know, we, I, I drafted out an email to my boss saying I was taking the next day off for personal. Yeah, man, we're sick. And, we, we can't yeah, yeah. And Ethan and I were ready to go out at, at like midnight to go kind of ride in the streets of Atlanta and experience that. And that would have been my first time experiencing, you know, a championship exactly. in, in a city um but you know unfortunately we're not a football podcast we won't finish that story <laughs> yeah we atlanta's still getting clowned for that 28 to 3 we'll, we'll move on and, and, and come back to to kind of these finals um you know I, i'd love to come maybe get into kind of a little bit more nitty-gritty and, and kind of talk talk through the matchups um so, you know, it's been spoken about kind of ad nauseum, kind of Bam's ascension over these playoffs and over the last couple of years. You know, nobody really expected him. You know, I thought he was going to be the next Hashim Thabit, right? <laughs> Tall, lanky, defensive player. But he's become a lot more than that. So, you know, E, let me know, you know, who, who do you think is an interesting player or kind of set of players on the heat that, that you think might cause us problems? Yeah. I mean, it's interesting, right? Because now we like we were talking about three the past three series we had to play with three elite guards. Yeah, and now 
I mean, not to say that Goron is, you know, is trash or anything, because he's, oh, I he's love been him. playing super well, especially these playoffs. Yeah. yeah. But he's, you know, he's not James Harden, right? He's not no, Dame. No. But, I mean, that's the thing about Miami Heat basketball. Like you are saying, it's very more Spursy-like, right, where everyone's involved. And I think that presents a different challenge for us. And I, I would, I would say, you know, just watching these them throughout the playoffs, their shooters really intimidate me because they can hit it consistently. They're mm-hmm. snipers, and then you got guys like Duncan Robinson, who to me looks like the next Clay Thompson, but taller, yep. right? Almost, and yep. it's like this guy needs, you know, point two seconds to get a shot off, mm-hmm. and. I don't, I don't know that we've really dealt with someone like that. Not to say like, oh, Duncan Robinson's the most important player in the series. He's, I mean, he's not. Let's be honest. But like, right. you know, if they get, if they, if they're hot from three, all series, like, it's gonna be a real problem for us. And I don't know, you know, our guards are are more undersized, I think, than you mm-hmm. know some teams like Caruso, Rondo, mm-hmm. guys like that. I mean, I think they're gonna have trouble with with Hero and and Duncan Robinson and closing out well. And I think, I think Kuzma is going to have to play a really big role in this series against those guys. No, I'm with you. I mean, we played a, we played a pretty good three point shooting team in Houston, but you know, they don't run the same kind of kind of shooting action that, that the heat do right. Where Mm -hmm. they actually put an effort to get their shooters open. Whereas the Rockets, you know, are, are just kind of a hard and pick and roll or ISO away from an open shot. Right. They aren't running PJ Tucker and Eric Gordon around a ton of screens. I mean, Eric Gordon more so than, than PJ Tucker, because PJ Tucker is kind of has a tent up in the, in the corner. In the corner, um, camp out. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, EG runs through a couple of elevator screens. He'll run kind of across kind of baseline screens and things like that to get open. But, you know, watching kind of the heat play and, and the way they kind of run Hero and, and, and Robinson, and even to an extent, you know, I know he's shooting poorly, but guys like Jay Crowder and Iggy uh, and Goran, kind of around screens, around actions um, in the low post to get them open, uh, I think is going to cause us problems. And I think, you know, one thing you mentioned is, you know, Frank getting our, our defense kind of on a string, right, where everybody's ready to switch. I mean, we make a lot of those mistakes, um, mm-hmm. You know, we make a lot of switching errors. And I think a lot of that is erased by somebody like Anthony Davis. But, you know, Anthony sure. Davis's ability to kind of contest shots and really block shots is 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 limited kind of outside of the paint right and yeah so, and he's gonna have to start interrupt but he's gonna have to deal with an elite defensive player in bam right which mm-hmm, he mm-hmm. has never really dealt with in the past three series so that's gonna be a matchup i'm looking at as well that's right i mean let's look through the bigs he's played against on the way here right we nurk pj tucker and then it was what Millsap and Jokic. But I mean, you and I—how many emojis did we send each other for barbecue chicken in the Nuggets series? It, it was it was barbecue chicken all day. I mean, if you put Millsap on him, right? And he's got height, he's got strength. He's gonna go. He over can him. just kind of yeah. go over him, right, in the post. You know, he can face up, shoot over him. It's it's really he's not bothered. And then Jokic is just—I mean, the next step in his game is gonna be on the defensive side. I think that that's gonna mm-hmm. make him truly elite. But right now, he's not—he's not a very good defensive player. You know, yeah. you saw multiple times LeBron just go right by him. You know, he's yeah. not quick enough laterally. And then with AD, I mean, his post moves, you know, or how quickly he can get a shot up just really bothered Jokic all, all series and he couldn't really figure it out. But, you know, Bam is is a guy that is, you know, he's he's first level all defense quality, right? And 
he's only going to improve. And so it'll be, it'll be really interesting. I think AD is going to have to, to really pull out all the stops and, and keep mm-hmm. him on his toes because this is going to be, it's going to be a tough matchup for him, I think. But obviously one, I think he can handle, but it's, it's going to be different yeah. than all the guys he's, he's previously played against. No, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. So I guess we got to get to that guy, right? And that guy. That guy, Jimmy Butler, right? $20 coffee, man. $20 coffee. And I think, look, Jimmy is a guy who I have loved ever since I saw him in Chicago, right? And a guy who whose story is is incredible, right? So I guess I'll start there. I mean, Jimmy's a guy who kind of made it out of a really tough situation with his family. I think his mom had kicked him out of the house. You know, he's a he's a fighter. He is a true and true fighter. I think he's a great teammate. I mean, you know, I think it's easy for us to say that we would love to play with Jimmy Butler, but we're not but but, but we don't get yelled at by Jimmy Butler on a daily basis, right? And so I think it's easy for us to shit on guys like Cat and uh and and and, and Ben Simmons and D'Lo and all these guys. But look, Jimmy's a dog. Jimmy's a guy who I think to an extent you can give him the ball and get out of the way and he'll get you a, a pretty good shot. Um, his three-point shooting is a bit suspect. But, you know, if there's any guy, if there was any guy really kind of left in the playoffs in the conference finals who I would give the ball and get out of the way, I would say behind LeBron James and probably Jokic, I would put Jimmy right there. LeBron James, yep. AD, Jokic, and Jimmy, I would say, right? And Jimmy's a guy who can command the floor. He can command an offense. He can command a defense. He's probably going to be one of the primary defenders on LeBron. Um, you know, whenever Jay Crowder isn't on him, Jay Crowder or Iggy. Um, but I think, you know, Jimmy's one of those guys who, one thing I look at Jimmy is he sets really good screens for a superstar or for a mm-hmm. star. I think a lot of mm-hmm. stars sacrifice, you know, I guess uh, compromise on screens because they don't want to get hit. But Jimmy's a guy who will set really hard screens. And I think that's really important for a team that um, is going to be trying to attack uh, and get guys open on the, on the three-point line. So I guess getting into kind of some schemes at a high level, right, and how these players fit into those schemes. You know, the zone is something we've seen kind of from Miami across, you know, throughout the playoffs. You know, how are you feeling about them potentially playing that against Sussie? Yeah, I think they definitely will, right? I mean, you know, one of the knocks on the Lakers over the last, you know, this year and, and last year was we're not really a good three-point shooting team, right? We don't have those knockdown shooters. I mean, we got guys that can hit it, and we've been shooting pretty well generally in these playoffs, actually, but I think mm-hmm. they're really going to test us and make us hit those shots. I mean, so especially in a zone, right? I mean, that's kind of the shot that, that you're looking for if you can if you can get it open and so mm-hmm. I think you know guys like Caruso, Kuzma, Markeith Morris they're gonna all have to hit shots and then we can yeah. maybe force them to maybe go back to man right and then we can open up some other things you know when we have one we're against man defense so yeah it's uh it's gonna be interesting because they played a lot of it against the Celtics the Celtics had you know, sometimes it really seemed like they figured it out. Sometimes it really looked like they were struggling, yeah. especially when they weren't hitting shots. Yeah. And um, yeah, so I think we're going to have to look at that series. And like I said, Frank's going to have to get in the lab because he's going to have to be prepared for that zone. And mm-hmm. and what lineups we play, I think, is going to be really crucial against that zone. And just even if it's if it's man, right? I mean, because I, you know, we were talking about this, right? Like, 
do the Lakers go, they play big or do they play mm-hmm. small like mm-hmm. they would against the Rockets or some combination of both, you know, we're versatile. Mm-hmm. Like, do we do both? Like, what's the split? I mean, it's, it's yeah. there's a lot of questions and I would hate to be Frank Vogel right now because he's got a lot of choices. I think a guy who's going to be crucial for us and he is kind of at every turn of this, of, of our, of how we play is, is AD. Because one of the things that I think gave both the Bucks and the Celtics a lot of problems was, and look, we learned this in grade school, right? The way you beat a zone, and you can play it against kids because kids can't shoot threes, right? Um, the way you beat a zone is you get the ball in the middle, and then that person makes a good decision, right? right. They either shoot a free throw line jumper, they dish it to kind of a, a dunker spot big if that big steps up, or the defense collapses and you kick it out and then you drive and kick, drive and kick, shoot a shot. And that's where I think somebody like AD is going to be really important for us. Because AD is going to be that guy who uh, you can get the ball at the free throw line. He'll hit that shot consistently. Uh, he'll, you know, he can drop the lob over to Dwight or JaVale, whoever's playing, or he hits KCP in the corner. He can hit, you know, a, a cutting Caruso from the baseline. Now I think, you know, we're saying all these things kind of um, in, in abstract uh, because we haven't seen the way that Miami's going to play it, right? And so, but, you know, I, I think somebody like AD, getting him in the middle is going to be absolutely key and then make the defender, make a tough choice. Um, I think we're going to see a lot more off-ball brawn as well, seeing him make hard cuts when everybody turns and looks at AD because he has that effect on a team. Um, yeah. And if LeBron's bringing up the ball himself, right? I mean, he's he's probably the best drive and kick guy in the league at this point. Yeah. You know, talk about making good decisions. I mean, you know, his passing is savant-like. So, you know, I feel good about that. And, and you know, I think it's interesting too. I mean, like we, I kind of brought it up before about just the history with, you know, Spo and, and Riley and stuff. But, you know, do you think it, there's any effect in terms of how much you know, Spo kind of knows LeBron, knows what he likes to do, given that he's coached him, and then vice versa, mm-hmm. right? I mean, is there anything about how much LeBron knows that system in Miami and how maybe on both sides they could use that to their advantage? That's a curious question. Um, so I think on both sides, I think people are overblowing it a bit, to be honest with you, man. Um, look, it's been six years since... LeBron played for Spo and Spo coached LeBron, right? Um, you know, I, I know that systems are are more or less consistent in the NBA, and you know, the Heat organization has had very little turnover or basically no turnover between Pat and Spo, obviously. Um, and so the system will be largely the same. And so I think LeBron will understand it, but like the personnel are completely different, right? I mean, mm-hmm. that Heat team was D Wade and LeBron cutting to the basket. Bosch being there and then Shane Battier, Mike Miller, and then a bunch of spectacular shooters. Right. And so you had guys who could hit knockdown shots. This team, this Miami team is very different, very, very different. And on on the flip side, you know, LeBron's changed a lot as a player as well. LeBron between 2010 and 2014 was the most athletic human on the planet. And I think LeBron's only deflated to a top 10 <laughs> athlete on the planet now, right? Six years later and age 35, 36. So LeBron's game has changed as well. You know, I think I think there will be aspects of both Spo's scheme and LeBron's game that, that you know, their counterpart will, will recognize and scheme for. But I think 
um, they've both changed a lot and, and the situations are different. What do you think? Yeah, I think I'm with you on that. I mean, you know, Spo, especially in these playoffs, seems like they've been playing, you know, a lot more creative schemes and stuff than they were running in Miami. Yeah. And, and to your point about LeBron, I mean, you know, he's he, in, in many ways been the guy he's always been, but also, you know, he's changed his game as well. And he's really developed as a shooter. Um, you know, his passing's just gotten better. And, you know, in transition, it's it's like he's as good as he's ever been. And uh, so, yeah, I, th- I think it's a little overblown, but it'll be interesting to see if they kind of go at each other, you know, on the sideline or talk to each other or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of looking for those moments. We'll see. Let's transition away from the scheme and talk about who's going to show up in the series that we might not expect because I've been waiting for it. I want to hear your thoughts. I've been waiting for a Danny green game, man. Mm -hmm. Who's the guy you're looking to on either side that you think might show up and, and really turn a game or potentially even a series if it's late enough in the series. Actually, uh, t- tell me about uh, tell me about Danny Green first, because I've I've had my 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 beef with Danny Green for a while. But uh, talk to me through that. So Lakers fans love to hate him, right? Him and KCP, they get a lot of hate. Yeah. They, yeah. They, it's like we. Br- I think because expectations were they were these knockdown shooters. They're gonna you know yeah. shoot forty plus percent from three, and I mean, you know, Danny's really not been the guy he was on those Spurs championship teams, and even mm-hmm. the Raptors to an extent last year. I mean, let's yeah. Let's be real about it. However, you know, I think I think the hate's been a little overblown for both of them. Um, you know, they definitely have some games that are duds or they go, you know, one for six from three, and that's really not helping the team. But mm-hmm. we're going to need them in this series, and we're going to need Danny. Um, I, think, I think there is going to be a game where, you know, he goes – four, six, you know, five of seven or something from three. And it really opens things up for LeBron and AD. And that's going to be a game where, you know, we're just, we're going to win that game because he's just going to be on fire from three, you know? And I I think there will be one game like that. It really hasn't happened all playoffs. I mean, there've been certain games where, you know, he's, he's gotten a little streaky, but he hasn't had that one game, right, where he just goes like 80% from three and it's just like knocking everything down. So I'm looking to that in this series. He's going to get looks and frankly, he's going to need to hit him if we, you know, he, if he's going to play on the floor this series. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I mean, I'm looking at the, I'm looking at the numbers, right? So Danny Green, um, if we're just talking about three-point shooting percentage against the Blazers, he shot 35%, so not bad. Um Against the the what is this? This is the Rockets. He shot a spectacular forty two percent from three, um, and then against the Nuggets, shot you know a not so great thirty two percent. Right, and so I mean I think you're right. I think we love to hate Danny Green, um, and it seems like there's a Lakers curse that every shooter who comes to the Lakers goes from being a forty percent three point shooter to you know subpar at best. KCP was shooting you know, 40% from, from three in, in Detroit, you know, like you said, Danny was doing that uh, um, with, with the Spurs and the Raptors in prior seasons. So I, th- I th- I'm, I'm with you. I think, you know, there's an interesting, I- I'm waiting for a Danny green 21 point game 
six of six of eight shooting from three and three free throws on a foul three, right? To get his twenty one and nothing else, right? <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. But but you know, um, one guy that I'm looking to, and it's a guy that you know I've loved for a while is is Caruso. Um, yes, I've watched the bald you know, eagle. People love to meme about him, and and people and then people love to kind of. I guess rebound on that and say that oh he's not a meme player he's a legit player but he's one of the guys to be honest and I love I love his game and and frankly when LeBron comes out at the end of the first quarter around kind of the the four or five minute mark Caruso and his squad comes on with with AD I'm actually watching Caruso for the lot for a lot of the offense even when he doesn't have the ball because I love seeing off ball cuts I love seeing the way he attacks offensive rebounds. I love seeing the way that he's actually communicating with the team saying, Hey, Kuz, you're late on this, on this pickup if they screen off ball. So I think Caruso is a guy who could have a big impact in this series. I think he's a guy who is going to be ready and willing to chase shooters around the court. I think he's a guy that, you know, um, is, is going to be kind of attacking the boards because I don't think Miami um, is, is really equipped for if we go big to kind of box Dwight and AD and Braun and a really smart Rondo um, kind of out. And so I think, uh, I think Caruso is going to be one of those guys who, who, you know, might have a really big impact in, in, in the series. Um, who yeah, who else? Who else are you feeling? I think the last one is, it's gotta be big, big Dwight Howard, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. let's just, can we just appreciate his career for a minute? So right. we we know what he did in Orlando. We played Please. against him in the the 09 finals, you know. That's right. With Kobe. Yeah. He's three-time defensive player of the year. And then it, it's like he he goes to the Lakers, that doesn't work out. No. And then for like a handful of years there, he just seems kind of lost, right? I mean, he, he's yeah. like bouncing around teams, the Rockets, the Hawks, Houston, like, Charlotte. Yeah. Right? And it's like yeah, and it's like, man, is this guy's career just going to be over? Like, can mm-hmm. he just not figure it out in, in today's NBA, in the modern NBA, where, you know, bigs have to be able to shoot, right? That's what yeah. everyone says. And it's like, he comes to the Lakers on a non-guaranteed contract, and now he's playing huge role in the Western Conference Finals. He's starting over JaVale. Like, mm-hmm. he's really humbled himself, I think. And it's been an awesome story to watch because – I honestly didn't have huge expectations. I mean, I didn't mind taking a flyer on him in the beginning of the season, but I don't think anyone, mm-hmm. including guys, you know, including, you know, Lakers brass, like Frank and, you know. Um, and LeBron. <laughs> and you know, LeBron, LeBron, frankly, too, yeah. Yeah. To really, to think he'd be, he'd turn into this. And, you know, he, he might start the series alongside um, AD again. Mm-hmm. And um, I think he's going to be super important because we were talking about it, you know, a couple like last week. Who's going to guard if we have AD and Dwight on the floor? Who's mm-hmm. guarding? You know, Bam is obviously guarding one of them, but but who's guarding yeah. the other? Right. That's right. And I think that's going to present an interesting challenge for Miami. I mean, I think that's where their zone is going to fail because they hide Hero and Robinson on the on the baselines in that zone. They have Jay and Iggy up front. Yep. Um, and then, you know, some combination of Hero, Robinson, and Dragic in, in the back with Bam. And look, those guys, frankly, are not going to be able to keep up with, with Dwight Howard. I mean, you know, look, I love them, but they're going to get pushed around. I think one thing that I mentioned to you the other day was 
I saw I saw Duncan Robinson uh, fight for a rebound with Jalen Brown, right? And you know, Duncan Robinson, they both jumped together. Robinson landed after Jalen, and so he was landing on him, and Duncan Robinson bounced back. Like he was the yeah. guy who fell backwards, right? And and I think um, you know, Jalen isn't isn't a LeBron James, is not a Dwight Howard, is not an Anthony Davis, you know, and frankly, like old man strength isn't a isn't a rondo, right? And so I think Dwight is gonna play a big role in this series and is gonna be a really good piece for us. I think, you know, let's get into it, E. Um, finals preview podcast, episode one. Let's start off with well, let, let, let's end it with a prediction. Talk me through how you're feeling about this series. So we, of course, yeah, we got to do the prediction, right? Man, this is gonna be tough. I, I think it's minimum six. I could see it going yeah. seven for sure. I'm inclined yeah. to say. You know, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna say it's gonna go seven games, and and uh, you know, it's gonna go Lakers four three, and it's gonna be one of the crazy, you know, <clears throat> an amazing game seven, and LeBron is gonna get his kind of revenge over the heat and uh I, yeah it's going to be an, it's going to be a super interesting series but i think it's so evenly matched for a lot of reasons and i give their coaching staff and their players so much credit that you know i i think they're gonna find a way to make this a full seven game series all right yeah i i initially wrote four two in the notes um and i i, I do have you can a, keep a it that way of- I think I think I think I'll keep it that way. I'm I'm pretty confident, man. I think um, people love to give the zone a lot of shit and call it a shtick. And and Chuck, you know, Chuck Chuck hates hates the zone. Syracuse, um, man. Yeah, exactly. But but I think I think there's I think the Heat the Heat have something. The Heat have, um, you know, they have spunk and they have grit and they are a hustle team. Um, but I think, frankly, the talent of the Lakers will will. Uh, We'll win out here. I, I think I think we'll win it in six. Uh, I think it'll be a tough six. Um, there's going to be some down the wire. You know, if the ball bounces left or right off the rim, you know, one team wins and one team loses. Um, but I, I think I'm going to call it. I think I'm going to call it Lakers in six. Um, and and you know, LeBron takes home what I like to call his fifth title because that <laughs> Cleveland uh, that Cleveland one counts for two. Um, so yeah. But, you know, this has been, I guess, the first episode of Global Hoops Podcast. Well, thank you for making it 48 minutes in. E, any, any parting thoughts? I, I'm just – I'm excited to get started, man. This is – I mean, LeBron's back in the finals. You know, the Lakers are back in the finals. It just – it feels right, you know. And I That's think right. people expected or, or had expectations at the beginning of the season for a lot of teams and – didn't know if LeBron could do it again, but I mean, it's like until he proves otherwise, man, he's, he's the best player on the planet. No question in my mind, yeah. like the amount that he does it's and and the fact that he's brought this team back to the finals. I mean, it's almost like we shouldn't be surprised. Right. That's right. That's right. Cool. All right. A special shout out to E for getting up at 6am to shoot this podcast with me. <laughs> Let's we are do it. In- uh, we are, uh, whatever, 15-hour time zone. 15 That's hours, right. We're truly yeah. global. 15-hour time hours. difference. Thanks, everybody, for, for giving us a listen, however many, you got, however many you got at this far. And thanks for E. Thanks, thanks to E for getting up this early. Of course, man. We'll, uh, we'll do it again soon. That's right, brother. All right, folks. Appreciate it.